Welcome to the latest episode of The Player's Voice, where this week we were joined by former Galway footballer and hurler Alan Kearns. My name is Alan O'Mara. I'm the host of this podcast, a former Cavan goalkeeper, and a performance and well-being consultant with sports and business leaders around the world. Back in 2001, Alan Kearns had the rare experience of playing in both the All-Ireland Football and Hurling Finals. But since then, his impact has stretched far beyond the playing field. Through his charity work over the last two decades, Alan has raised millions of euro that has saved and changed thousands of lives in Africa. During this conversation, Alan tells us about the upcoming Plant the Planet Games, which will see 50 inter-county players travel to Kenya to plant trees to help tackle the devastating effects of climate change and to raise awareness of the incredible work of Self-Help Africa. This is the second year of the Plant the Planet Games, and last year, a group of footballers, hurlers and camogie players helped to raise over €500,000 and plant 1 million trees in the region. I really hope you enjoyed this powerful and inspiring conversation with Alan Kearns. Thanks for listening. Alan Kearns, you're very welcome to The Player's Voice. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Alan. Good to see you again. Great to see you again. Um, I know the reason we have you back on is just recently you just launched the Plant the Planet Games for 2023. So obviously we'll get to to your life, your journey, your playing side of of what's been your life. But I suppose I wanted to start with the launch of, of Plant the Plant the Planet Games, Alan, just kind of throw a question to you of what's going on there. Tell us what it is and what's happening. Yeah, it's... Um... It's a beast, to be honest. But it's um, last year, I suppose. I, I always said I've, I've been. I've worked in Africa since two thousand and five, and you know, it's a huge part of my life. Um, the charity work and the, the community development work uh, we do, I, we have done in Africa, um, and I suppose the GA is another huge part of my life. So I always try to find a way of marrying those two passions. And you know the GA, did the GA charity really because the GA and the GA community and the GA businesses and my colleagues and foes, I suppose my uh, the guys I played with and against were hugely supportive in us raising millions for for several uh, countries in Africa, starting off in Zambia. And I always had a dream or a vision to bring an inter-county game or an all-star trip or a training camp or something to Africa. And I suppose with a bit of creativity and a bit of brainstorming, we la- I landed on with others the Plant the Planet Games, which was, you know, uh, let first the first ever one happened last year. So it was a historic event last year because it was the first ever inter-county game um, with inter-county players from different counties on the African continent. It was the first ever four-quarter trip, so that we had huge representations from ladies football, camogie, hurlers and footballers on the one trip, which was unique and, and wonderful in terms of quality and integration and all this happening, uh, rightfully so, uh, and still continues. Um, and they all raised 10,000 euros and we planted one million trees. Uh, we raised enough money to plant one million trees with our wonderful partner, Self Help Africa. And um, the GPA were our other big partner, the other big partner with my own organisation, Warriors for Humanity. Um, so they're the three key partners, and the Kiever Sports then provide the gear. But we, pl- the, the what a legacy for the players to leave behind last year to raise that money, um, to come and experience Africa, to play the first ever match in inter-county uh, on African continent on the African red African soil in Kenya, and. Um, you know, the million trees were, was a huge legacy and, um, for them to leave behind, a huge achievement because not only was a huge awareness and huge impact on the environment itself, but hundreds of thousands of families will live off those trees long after we're gone as a group of players because uh, the families and the communities and the villages and the schools and the hospitals that receive these trees um, are... are are educated, trained, and given huge technical support by South of Africa and agricultural experts to live off these trees. So they're cash crops, they're food crops, they're nitrogen rich in the soil crops, they're shelter belts, reforestation, and rehabilitation of degraded soil. Uh, and I suppose, you know, they saw the devastating impact, particularly in Baringo last year, of climate change and the huge impact it's having on families there. And I suppose these families have contributed least to climate change, but are affected most by it. And I suppose another huge benefit to the trip was the friendships. And, you know, you had players, I remember sitting there one one day in, in a bar 
at night having a few beers and with musicians. And, you know, I saw Neil McManus chatting to Stefan O'Cumber, you know, two polar opposites in terms of one is a Kerry footballer from the very southern tip of Ireland. Neil is a hurler with Antrim from the very top. And where were those players, you know, get the chance to have to, to you know, foster those bonds and foster those friendships and, and the male-female trips, you know, it's, it was brilliant to, 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 to share and learn and, and the peer-to-peer -peer learning was unbelievable and the friendships are, are and still in the WhatsApp group is, is massively uh, active and friendships are, have spawned all, up, all over the place, which is great. Uh, as was the players' income back and the big win, we believe, for, for Ireland in this is obviously it's climate, it's awareness, the first, these are the first sports stars to take such a, a stance against, uh, uh, to take action, not just words. They, they've, they've taken action. They haven't spoken about it. And when they come back into their own communities, we believe that they are, you know, uh, we've sown a seed in them. We've, they've demonstrated that they can make a difference if they choose to do so. So we hope that they will come back into their own communities, their own schools, their own clubs and be uh, active change makers, agents for change, active citizenship, and get involved in the causes that are close to their heart in their own communities. Yeah, so like, I mean, it's there's a, there's a lot going on there. I think you started off mm. with it, that it's a beast. And like, I, I definitely hear, you know, the, the giving back and the helping and supporting people in need and then going hand in hand with personal development, like transformational leadership yeah. um, and trying to kind of work on both ends of, of that spectrum rather than maybe, you know, okay, we're all going to fundraise and send some money to a charity and that's fine yeah. and that's important and can help. Um, but this, this obviously is a much more experiential kind of, trip and impact and project and I suppose you mentioned there like so you're just I know as we talk you're getting ready to head for the second year yeah. and you gave us an overview of year one there Alan and, and, and lots of good information I suppose when you look back on it now is there any kind of key learnings you took from that experience because obviously putting it all together for the first time and going from idea to pilot to execution must have been a, a huge challenge and a huge project but I suppose when you have that experience now looking back on it what was kind of the things that stuck with you that you went oh no I want to do this again or we want to do this again and that we know that we can like push this forward and grow it yeah it, it was several things um it was just the actual group of players were just so sound and such good fun and the, the, the connections and the friendships that was formed um like we should be very proud of our athletes and how you know you know we're very unique in terms of how they are so connected and interconnected with their communities and the schools and the villages and the hospitals and they do so much anyway you know just giving us entertainment and sacrificing all everything else in their life to give the lift the Irish spirits but you know they're such such brilliant people and there wasn't one we've had no dickers no divas policy on the trip you know and there was no dickers or divas last year but other thing that we reached to that was the power of sport to unite the group and the power of music to unite the group but also the power of sport and the power of music to unite different cultures and the way they represented Ireland and the way they connected with the people and the way they got down and, and stuck in and, 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 you know, interacted with the children and interacted with the local people and the way they respected um, their culture and shared cultures and shared learnings. And I think they learned so much more from the, from, the, from the Kenyan people as well in terms of their resilience and their creativity and they sang and they danced through life and kind of... We share that. I think a lot of them took that back back home and used that in their own games this year in terms of they looked like they were enjoying themselves a lot more when they were playing the sport. I think, it, and also, as I reflected with Tom Parsons, who's you know, a wonderful individual, a great leader um, and a huge backer of this trip. Um, one of the brilliant things was the transformation of the players through the trip as well and how they grew as individuals and how you could see the transformation, you know, um, happening as well before our very eyes and that's what one thing we, we really advocate is you know that transformational leadership experience that transformational person development and you can't get that by you know in a hotel room you have to go out and live it and experience it and experience other cultures and experience other challenges yes and while they live in challenging circumstances they're inspiration as well and how they get how they get on with life and how happy they are with, with very little mm -hmm. and I suppose we, we we ran with the Kenyan athletes as well at, at Altitude we ran with world champions Olympic champions and it was that peer-to-peer sharing of, of tips in terms of elite sportsmanship, but also the peer-to-peer -peer sharing on the trip between the group itself and the peer-to-peer -peer support they gave each other on the trip was, was magic to watch. And I suppose just people connecting on a human level, 
when people connect on a human level, magic happens, you know, no bullshit, no labels, no rivalries, no whatever, no status, be it uh, with the Irish group together or the Irish-Kenyan mixing and supporting each other. It was just magic to see that, that human humanity shine through, I suppose, uh, and that generosity of spirit shine through. And the smiles on their faces coming home and the smiles on their faces throughout it, um, and how much they enjoyed it as well and how much impact they made, but also how much impact the trip had on them. Mm. You know, if, if that maybe two words would be the impact they made and the legacy they left behind, but also how much the trip had impacted on them personally as individuals was, 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 was special to witness. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's a, I mean, it must have been an incredible experience for everyone that was on it. And like, as you're talking there, Alan, like in terms of just like the impact they're making there, and practically, as you said, not being in a hotel room or like this is a very immersive and very like um, engaged experience. And like, so practically then, like, what does that impact look like? Like what, what's going, like, I know you're, you're going to head off again in a couple of weeks. So like yeah. practically when people are there, like what's going on? How are they helping? Like how, I suppose when you come away from the trip, do you know, okay, like we've been there for, I think it's a week, like what we did in that week that A, impacts in the immediate sense, but then also B, kind of the, maybe the more medium to long term you talked about earlier like yeah. the legacy and that what comes to mind in that regard so I gave you a brief outline of what of, of the week what it looks like um, so we fly on a Friday night uh, the 17th of November this trip and then it's very similar to last year's trip a few, few tweaks and few changes we will uh, land in Saturday evening and we'll have a, a dinner and a few you know get, get to know you drinks I suppose and some music and a bit of culture share with the Kenyans on Saturday night um, and a debrief that night then, and just a, a, a team building night. Uh, Sunday morning we played the two games and this year we're playing the AFC Leopards in a soccer match as well who are one of Kenya's best soccer teams. So that's Brilliant. Kind of interesting. And that'll be great. And loads of kids then will come we'll have a sports day with some street children in terms of doing um, you know, workshops and games with the children and the street children um, from the different organisations and schools. And a lot of expat communities will come to the match to watch it, from the missionaries to the business people in Kenya and other countries. Um, we have a, we will have a little break then, and that evening we'll have a big reception at the uh, with the Irish ambassador's residence, again with new Irish music and Kenyan music and some speeches and some culture and some presentations. So lovely, it's a lovely evening. And uh, then the next day we go visit Alive and Kicking, which are a wonderful organisation that that uh, make leather footballs and FIFA approved leather footballs. It's a wonderful, where they, and that provides jobs for loads of people. And they also then use sport as a tool to educate children on, on maybe HIV, sanitation. I think they use it as a tool to get people into the informal education and then hopefully encourage and channel them towards the formal education system. And we'll have a soccer match against the kids there. So that'd be great fun as well. Uh, that evening, then we travel out to El Duret, to E10, and we stay for there for a couple of nights with Brother Colin McConnell, who is the world famous Irish priest who trained 35 world champions and seven Olympic champions. And we do a running session with him early the following morning. And then Self Help have a number of projects in that area. So we will go tree planting that day um, where we will just physically meet the communities, sh- break bread with them, share with them, and maybe have a ceremonial tree planting um, where we plant maybe a few thousand trees that day. We'll also go and visit the nursery, the tree nursery. It's run by another local group of, of former addicts. And we will buy all the, and we'll see millions of tree samplings there that we purchase from that group. And that's, and that's where all our trees will come from that we plant in Kenya. Some of the trees will be planted in other countries. Uh, mm. And tree, but different trees will be planted in different areas depending on what's needed. And as, you know, which suitable to the, the location and the environment. Um, the following day, we have another running session with Cullum. Visit more projects then on the, uh, that Wednesday, uh, more tree planting and more f- other agricultural programs and biodiversity programs. Uh, I think we have a soccer game then that evening with the local heroes. Um, and then we have a night with the athletes where some of the Olympic champions will come in. We have a Q&A and we meet some of the Olympic champions with Brother Cullum. We move then on some Thursday morning, we move three or four hours down to Lundy Annie. Uh, we, visit, we visit a hospital there run by Brighter Communities Worldwide. They're a great organisation, uh, heavily involved last year as well. Uh, and we're going to visit their schools 
their agricultural programs and the hospital, which has, a, which has, would you believe, a very strong partnership with Mayo University Hospital. So we have five Mayo players coming this year, three, three females and two male. So they're going to do an opening of the, they're, they're going to start a new, to build a new trauma wing there. Now it's very basic, it's a great hospital, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it, compared to home, people get a shock. You know, and we, and we they'll go and make some uh, smokeless stoves in some of the houses as well, which is you know a lot of the houses in mud huts and just to visit them as an experience. And they often they would burn you know coal or ch- charcoal or wood, and the fumes that stay in the house and be black and it's very bad for people's health. So they come up with a new f- smokeless stove that um, allows them. And it's really good for the environment as well and good for the health. So it's a really good program but, and it's mm-hmm. practical. So they'll make a few of those to get their hands dirty for a day. So we'll move on then down to the cool today for the night. And then we go back to Nairobi and visit some projects on the way back to Nairobi. Um, some of the self-help projects. Some will go home on the Friday. And then some will stay on um, and... Uh, that's optional, and they pay for that themselves. That's the they do to the Masai Mara to the to see the safari for a day, and uh, some fly home then on the Sunday. Right. So yeah, so that that's that's what it looks like. Great, great trip. A lot of lot of going, a lot of traveling, mm. a lot of uh, some downtime as well. Each night then we have we have some musicians on the trip as well, and we play the accordion. Some of us we try, and uh, there'll be real musicians then some. Some mediocre musicians like myself, and we'll um, we'll um, we'll bang out a few tunes and get people to sing a few songs, and we'll have Kenyans involved as well, uh, sharing their culture as well, and um, it's just it's just great to kind of debrief the day and have a chat around around the fire and have a beer or have a, a cup of tea or have a coffee, whatever people want, and then uh, and then deep process the day, I suppose, and process the. There's a lot of stimulation, sensory and emotional um, mm-hmm. that the players will witness and that they're not used to. Um, so that can be challenging in terms of what they see during the day. So I suppose we didn't do enough of that last year, so we're hoping to build a lot more of that in this year. Okay, brilliant. It's um, Yeah, thank you for that overview. I mean, it's such a it's such an action-packed itinerary. I can tell how hard you've been working on it because I think you just did it yeah. all off by heart. You didn't even have a little Excel sheet there. <laughs> I hope you don't have a double screen up in front of me. But uh, <laughs> no, it's, I can tell like how much work goes into it, Alan. And obviously to have done this successfully last year and like everything, it will evolve and go up another gear and you'll find ways where, you know, to tweak it or as you said there, yeah. helping people kind of in that decompression kind of aspect of it. I suppose like out of, from a, say the GPA kind of GA inter-county player perspective, having had 50 players last year do the trip, come home, talk to people about it, promote it in like local media, online as well, I'm sure. Was it an easier operation for you this year to kind of recruit and to get people to sign up to do the trip in 2023 or was it a similar... Like what? How was that it experience was, no, for you? That, I suppose T.G. Carr did a wonderful documentary as well, um, and they aired it uh, in January last year. That was wonderful for the players as well because a great uh, talk, mm. you know, like a memento uh, or like a memory of it. Memento, a bit of nostalgia looking back, and it'll be Kieran Lillis from Westmead or from Leash was on the trip and we all met in his bar in, in Port Leash or, and uh, stayed there for the night. And you know, the GPA helped us with that, and we had a watch party the week before. And it was a kind of a reunion as well, and we had a great night there, you know. Um, and uh, it was a great night and great fun. We watched it together, whoever was available, and a lot most people met it, which was un- unbelievable. Um, this year was a lot easier to recruit because I suppose we asked players to nominate one or two people they thought would be suitable based on their experience, mm-hmm. based on our no dick is no diva policy as well. And um, yeah, so. It was really, really, really easy. But one, we've just bumped into one or two challenges, I suppose, over the last few weeks in terms of that we didn't know that didn't happen last year. You know, a lot of the team holidays now were going in November this year, in November, and mm-hmm. the, which normally they go in December, uh, in December during Christmas. But now the the split season and the league has everything's pulled back a couple of months, so a lot of the some players had to withdraw because they couldn't get time off work and um, and their team holidays and different stuff. So it's it's you're always going to have that challenge, you know, where 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 life gets in the way sometimes and weddings come up or people have uh, have start to have families or change jobs or change college. So you know it's it's a moving it's a, it's a very fluid group if you know what I mean. It's a very fluid group in terms of. Um, 
ins and outs, but the majority are. We we still we have an unbelievable group going now again this year, which is which is great, you know. And uh, I think it's, it was a lot easier because um, a lot of them had so, had seen the documentary or had seen yeah. online the experiences that players posted, so they were very keen to know how to get involved. Yeah, obviously, because you at that point, like you can show them. You don't have to. You can. It's like the show yeah. don't tell. Like you can show them. You don't have to explain everything. Um, and then even Alan, that has me thinking of like like your own journey and your own experience. Like someone now who's kind of a leader in terms of bringing this community together, doing this project, trying to do so much good work for I suppose both people as an individuals in terms of their personal development, but then also on the ground charity work, community development. And I know we spoke before I, on my Real Talks podcast a couple of years ago, kind of and done a more in depth of your journey. But for anyone that's kind of jumped in today, Alan, that maybe hasn't listened to that, and for sure they can go back and find it. But what I suppose, why this project? Like why, I know you mentioned in 2005, you did your first kind of trip to Africa. And can you kind of tell us a little bit about kind of what motivated and inspired you at that point to do that trip? And then kind of as best you can kind of bring it forward to like what it is now. Like, so what, like the trip that you did, what that was, and then kind of how it became what it, what it has for you in your life in terms of your body of work and your passion. Yeah, I suppose um, very briefly in 2004, I played hurling football for Galway at that stage and I was wrecked from hurling and football. Um, I was three or four years playing both, you know, playing both finals in 2001. Then there's a lot of controversy or a lot of, you know, in Galway, particularly that time, the hurlers and the footballers, it was starting to become impossible for players to play mm. both. And there's a lot of you know, tried to... A lot call of the politics, oi? Politics involved where <laughs> you mentally were very under a lot of strain trying to trying to pick one or pick the other or choose one or choose the other or trying to balance both. And when, you know, uh, some sides mightn't have agreed with it and didn't want it to happen, others did. And it was just, it was, it was emotionally and physically very draining, I suppose. And I'd be a people pleaser by nature, so I don't do conflict that well. So I had an extra impact on me, probably, you know... I just don't do conflict well, I hate it. So, um, so, and then I suppose I was going to, I had a, a long term relationship, ended badly, and we were hammered by Kilkenny and we lost the football county finals. I said, ah, at that stage, I said, look, I have no commitments. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm working in the hospital. I'm going to get away for a while and uh, I, I, I'm going to go to Africa. And when I look back now, and as you asked me in the other, the Real Talks podcast, and several people were asking, why did you pick Africa? And when I, look, when I look back and do a kind of deep dive into your subconscious and childhood and whatever else you do um, to look for ignition or trigger moments, it was, I remember when I was seven years of age watching Live Aid on the television in 1984 and the scenes from the devastation of um, the famines in Ethiopia and Sudan and the scary images of children with you know dying in front of your eyes on television and me being seven not understanding able to process that and I remember hiding behind the couch at home because I couldn't watch it on television and at that time my dad was uh, played golf and he won the captain's prize in golf and they won a big sweepstakes and he backed himself and he got others to back him and he won £1,800, which is an awful lot of money back in 1984 or 1985, whatever it was. It was a recession at the time. I was the oldest of five kids. Um, he was a sales rep, so we weren't wealthy. We were a very normal family. Um, he needed that money uh, at that time badly, but he gave every penny of it to Live Aid, mm-hmm. to Bob Geldof. And whatever that had on me, that it really, I suppose, him being my role model and dad and... I suppose I always say never underestimate the power of your action, your your actions, be it both positive or negative, on kids. Because did, did he know that that simple act resulted in me going to Africa into that in that January of two thousand and five? And I think that's why it chose Africa, because of those two moments coming together, in terms of watching the the emotional impact and trauma I had on the television, and then he's inspirational, you know. He said it was, he didn't even think about it. He never thought it would have resulted in me to have that ripple impact uh, three decades later. So, um, or two decades later. So that's the nuts and bolts of it. Then I went to Africa. I volunteered, went to an Irish nun. My fluke ended up with her. Um, goal turned me down. Uh, they hadn't space. I, by fluke, and I won't go to the long story, but I ended up in Africa with an Irish nun. Amazing. Worked in a home for disabled children. She was feeding 800 families at the time who were starving. She needed money. 
Another Irish family ran an orphanage. They were broke. They had no money at the time. They were doing unbelievable work. They were dragging two communities by their hands, like unbelievable. Seventy-year-old women, like building houses, sinking wells, running schools, running orphanages, running home for disabled children, where children were dying in the sand. I said, "Fuck, these women are unbelievable." Mm. People need to know their story. And I said, "Look at what? What am I at? Like I'm 24, 25, 27, 27, whatever it was. You know, some some sort of profile because I played hurling and football for Galway. What the fuck was I doing, basically? They put me to. They're putting us to shame." I said, they're the real heroes. You know, they've given up all their lives to live over here and help these people. What an inspiration in individuals. So I said, their story needs to be told and I want to help them. So she was trying to feed 800 families at the time. There was a drought there and she'd need money for a well, for, for a well. And she said, if I get one well, I'll be able to help them, give them clean drinking water first, which will reduce their illness. The kids can go to school because they don't want to walk 10K for water. They're spending all the time at the moment going, walking 10k over and back, ferrying back water. Um, I'll be able to test the water, which means I can reduce their illnesses. And then I can teach them how to farm and they can, they can water their crops. And if I get one borehole, I'll get more. I know well I will. So she said she wanted five grand. So by fluke as well, Damien Eagers, who was a sports photographer, was there at the time. I had no cameras, only those yellow Disposable ones, you know, we click back <laughs> with no phones. Yeah, the, um, the roll ups. <laughs> with, with cameras, anyway. <laughs> with those brick ones, those Nokias, whatever those, uh, they were like a, a brick of tur- a side of turf. Um, we, yeah, so he was there. His uncle lived across the road, would you believe, by pure fluke again, and uh, coincidence. Um, and his uncle was a capuchin. Who, so he came and visited him while I was in, in Zambia. And he was a professional photographer. He'd been with me to Rome the year before on the Railway Cup and, and their Oster, a couple of Oster trips and a couple of Railway Cup trips. At that time, like, I think we'd been to Boston to play the football final uh, and we went to Rome with the hurling. So they're trying to promote and resurrect the, 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 the interprovincials. Um, so I knew him and he said, would you mind if we took a few photos, Alan? So he took amazing photos of right. me giving out food, trying to make blocks, you know, working with the children. And we put those photos into a brochure when I came home and Cathy was looking for just five grand for a well. And it was 2005, so it was a Celtic tiger, it was still roaring. And um, so I put the pictures into a brochure and sent them out to people I knew. After five grand became 10 grand, it became 20 grand. They became, I had no intention of setting up a charity, not an iota of setting up a charity. I was working as a physiotherapist in the hospital at the time. And... Um, we got to the Ireland final that year. We were beaten by Cork, and that gave it more promotion. And then Darren Frehel was working for TV3 at the time, and he saw the pictures, and he did a preview before the hurling final. And then he got it into his head to do a documentary, and he got TV3 to back him to do a documentary the year later. And next time we got People of the Year awards, and it just started to keep kept snowballing until yeah. 2008. We hundreds of thousands of raised, and then I had to put a, a legal structure around it, I suppose, for you know to govern it properly and to run it re- properly in terms of when you're raising that amount of money. And it, so I went da- I stayed out of it then for until 2015, 14. And my little boy was born in Rouen and unfortunately he was critically ill for the first six months of his life. And I suppose I needed to think about family at that stage. I did, uh, I, so I had to stop everything for a year. Um, Self of Africa actually were brilliant to us. They, we merged with them. I did a kind of a strategic review of the, our organisation and I was the biggest strength of the organisation but by far and away the biggest weakness as well because everything was coming through me and it wasn't sustainable. So I decided to merge in under self of Africa for the sustainability of the projects and I suppose my own sustainability as well. Um, and I had to look at my own financial um, situation as well. I needed to think about my family. Didn't want to be travelling as much with kids as well. And obviously then Ruan being so sick um, change my, my my priorities I suppose and then so that's and but I work now with self-help and do several big projects each year with them um, while also doing my own work in terms of um, leadership uh, uh, training for corporates uh, team development teams developing high performing teams within organisations uh, looking at culture within organisations looking at leadership, looking at communication and looking at collaboration across functions and within teams as well because um, the power of the collective is, is huge. So, uh, sorry to go on that rant, but that's, I suppose, 
where I am, where it led to the Plant the Planet Games, is a is a yeah. is a project with self help Africa. You know. No, I appreciate that, and like by, by no means is is it a rant in any way. Like it's such an incredible journey, and I think definitely snowballing is a word that sticks out sticks out there in terms of you yeah. know how one thing leads to another. And I know you know the phrase like it's always easy to connect the dots looking yeah. backwards. Looking um, back. But but kind of how that journey has kind of evolved for you in terms of you know I think the live aid your dad um, going like committing to the trip being there hands on the ground okay get one well even the stars aligning that I think it was Damien who said like that wasn't even the plan for you guys to be there just kind of overlapped how it all kind of mm. there was a lot of that coincidences are yeah serendipitous moments I suppose yeah. whatever you, what God influence like, whatever you believe in you know. Yeah, no, it's definitely like a like a synchronicity or whatever, or just yeah. I said the the stars aligning. But I suppose one of the one of the questions I am curious about was, have you ever talked to your dad about kind of that gesture and that moment, and kind of he may have just done it in the moment, or kind of like that's that's the right thing to do. But have you ever had like that discussion in terms of like him doing that and kind of dug into it and and kind of talked about the impact that it had on you ultimately? Yeah, we were doing a little piece uh, a number of months ago for another. Um another little uh, piece and um, yeah he kind of said he didn't realise he seemed to his, his quote was when we were talking about it to this interviewer he was talking about it and he was just a natural thing for him to do and he said it seemed to have an awful impact on this fella he said you know what I mean <laughs> That's, uh, so and he started laughing he said if he didn't he, he, he doesn't know how it had an impact on me but he he'd be humble anyway you know and he wouldn't mm. but uh, yeah he, he we did talk about it and I suppose it is it is nice for him to know that like, he, he was part of the journey and he was part of the inspiration. And yeah, look, he would be very, a community-based man anyway. He was heavily involved in coaching us growing up and heavily involved in the pioneers and heavily involved in, now he takes drinks now, but he was always involved in, even if the Faro group, he was, you know, he was very, very community-driven mm-hmm. individual. And, um, uh, you know, he would have always even, you'd know, like, he, they were always, um, I suppose, their actions spoke a lot louder than the words in terms of how they were c- kind to people, I suppose, and help people less fortunate and very into helping those less fortunate, you know, when I look back at it now. And the same with my school. I was very lucky with the school I grew up in. Michael Brown was a great influence as well. Um, when with that those, you know, those formative years when you're five and five and eight to ten, like they have a huge impact on, I believe, on how you turn out and your values. And uh, he used to bring us carol singing every Christmas, you know, for goal or for whatever cause. And they instilled, uh, I was very lucky, they actually instilled a huge holistic, they had a huge holistic approach to, uh, way ahead of their time um, to to developing children, I suppose. You know, we all could learn, we all could play music, we all had the Irish dance, we all played sport at, at lunchtime. Uh, he was himself and his wife, Rena, at three-teacher school, um, We've been carol singing. We went to France on exchanges. He had computers before the second school of computers. He taught us science, even with those on the curriculum, to give us an edge going in. So look, it was a very holistic approach to our development in terms of uh, music, sport, dance, community engagement, active citizenship, and yes, gave us a great um, foundation too in in, in academia. Um, so. So I was very lucky there to get that formation, I suppose, and uh, those seeds were sown very early, both with my dad and, and the school. Um, but yeah, I've had a good chat with him about it, and yeah, he 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 kind of plays it down, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like classic, like that generation classic do, Irish you know? dad. <laughs> yeah, huh? yeah, no, no, classic Irish dads. Um, yeah. But not like even. And, like even just listening to you there, Alan, I think like, you know, you've mentioned say community there and like the holistic development and it strikes me in some ways that you've kind of found your own way to kind of pass that torch on or pass that baton on and give other people an opportunity. And mm. like, I'm sure some people really engage and love it. Maybe some, you know, there'll be mixed results within that, but actually trying to build something and to create spaces and environments or opportunities for people that if they want to grow, if they want to progress if they want to develop that like it sounds like that's kind of part of your ethos and work in terms of your day to day now and obviously the plant the planet games is for sure part of that right yeah oh definitely and um, yeah I'm a big believer in experiential learning as well you know and a big believer in creating experiences for people and you know even plant the planet games it's a 
under the Warriors for Humanity Umbrella, which is a new movement, a global citizen movement they're forming. And of course, the core belief behind Warriors for Humanity is to kind of create a human army, I suppose, for good. Um, and it's only in the very infancy at the moment. And I've a, and the whole ethos behind the Warriors, I suppose, and the Planet Planet Games, and is I I believe most people want to make a difference, and most people want to do good. Most people, not everybody, but the majority of people want to leave mm-hmm. a positive legacy. And they want to make a difference, but somehow they don't. Somehow life gets in the way. Life is too busy. They don't know how to do it. Or so I believe you need to make it easy for them, or as easy as possible for them, and create a platform for them to, if they choose to jump on. I suppose, and I'm a big believer in you know, plant the planet or warriors for humanity. It's to kind of create an extraordinary experience for people that create gives them extraordinary memories, that allows them and facilitates them to leave an extraordinary impact and an extraordinary legacy. So if we take Plant the Planet Games, last year the players had an extraordinary experience. They had great, great memories, great, great friendships, great, great experience. But and they planted a million trees and the hundreds of thousands of families are going to live off those trees long after we're gone. So they've left a big impact on the environment and a big legacy on the communities that will live off them and thrive on these, sustain, having sustainable livelihoods. But the players probably wouldn't have done that if the Plant the Planet platform wasn't created, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I suppose that's the vision behind Warriors for Humanity is to create a lot more, not just for intercounty players, but for everybody, the wider public, to create these type of platforms and exp- events or experiences for people. And by going through that, then they will have that kind of transformation experience, um, you know, where they connect with human beings and peer-to-peer learning. Uh, they see it, they taste it. Um, they can be proud of their achievements as well because they've, they've, they see and taste the impact they're making. They see and taste the, um, the people and the villages that they're helping. And they see by just taking a small little bit of action mm. as a part of a collective, the huge impact they can have in a positive way. Um, and, and, and in themselves is when they go through that experience, because I know going to Africa or other places like that, you know, you learn an awful lot more from the people you meet and you learn an awful lot more from the people you go on the journey with. So it's a really, really transformation experience in terms of it challenges your values, it challenges your priorities, it challenges your leadership styles, it challenges what am I at. Mm. You know, it does give you a good kick up the ass to say that, you know, these people, you know, their main aim today maybe is to get, is get food on the table. And by pure geographical, by, by pure fluke of where you're born geographically, you know, I have the world at my feet here at home and I can do anything I want really if I want to. And I have unbelievable opportunities. Am I grasping that? Am I fulfilling my potential? You know, or am I just sleepwalking? Because they would love, they, uh, they, would, they have the same dreams as me to become sports stars, doctors, nurses, whatever, but they have the chance because of, again, by pure geographical fluke of where you're born. Um, and I think that drops with people. Uh, I think they come back and they grab life and they look at it differently with a diff, through a different lens, a different perspective in a positive way. Yes, some more than others, it will impact some more than others. But you hope, again, we inspire them to connect to causes that they're passionate about and, you know, make a difference in their communities and in their villages and in their counties, in their schools, within their teams, in their families, whatever it is that they'll have a, a real positive experience in terms of how they interact with people and how they treat people and how they, when they come back, you know, how they lead people. You mentioned, like, as I'm listening to you there, Alan, like, you mentioned, like, the, the phrase kind of sleepwalking jumped out to me. And yeah. when, you, when you look back in terms of your own life as a younger man, now you're playing football and hurling and kind of competing and working as a physiotherapist. But, like, even when you look back yourself, do you, like, do you see shades or kind of would you reflect on some spells where you think you were maybe sleepwalking a bit? Um... Like, is that something that, and like, and kind of, how do you practically go about, if so, how do you go about like changing that and kind of unlocking that and, and kind of developing that in your own personal life then? Oh yeah, definitely. You definitely sleepwalk. Uh, we, everyone, and even during each day, you try to not sleepwalk because you, you, you interact with people on a daily basis and you carry the crap from the week before into the next week. It's just a kind of reset. Mm triggers and reset mechanisms and you know there's a great statement um you know somebody said to me a coach said to me you know Alan for every difficult relationship you have you're responsible because I was giving out about people on a team one, one day to him 
And I said, for every difficult person, that team you're talking about, you're 50% responsible. And he said to me, he said, I want to ask, I want you to reflect on this question. He said, and you know, um, you might have done this program. And he said, um, you know, I want to, what's it like for them to experience you? What's it like to be on the other end of you? And he said, because when you, when, when you interact with somebody, you either have a positive impact on them or a negative impact on them. You create either, you know, oh, look at this fucker coming. He's boring or he drains the life of me or he's negative or he's this or he's that. Or you're warm and you're energetic and you're full of energy and you enthuse them and you're fun and you're, mm. you know, you get on with them. So you create that in other people as well. So he said, um, but who do you blame? And I said, oh, yeah, I always blame them. He said, but look at your 50% first. He said, if you can change your 50% and just focus on your 50% and ask yourself, every time you go and meet somebody that's, you know, during the day, go into the jet, go into the toilet, close your eyes, visualize what you want to experience, how, how they want to experience, you. sorry, visualize how you want them to experience you. Then visualize what you're going to do in order for them to, visual, to experience you in that way. And then you bring that with, then you lock, breathe it in, lock it in, and you bring it to the in, engagement mm-hmm. or the, the interaction. I suppose that's a bit like life, really, where if you, so at various stages of the day, you try and pause, gain conscious control, I suppose, and then bring that whatever person and body language and behaviours you want to bring into that meeting or that encounter, you bring it. And I suppose it's the same with life. We just need to try and have triggers on a daily basis to regain that conscious control uh, and live, in the, live, live more consciously. Um, because sometimes we're very unaware of, of, and that takes a lot of discipline, a lot of habit. Mm-hmm. And I don't do it all the time, obviously. But that, I think that's the same with life. I've only learned that, you know, over the last number of years, really. And that's the same with life. And I suppose other things that really throw you into... Um, Stop your sleepwalking is when 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 when, when shit happens, mm-hmm. you know, breakups, grief, um, losing matches, you know, you fallouts or fa- a big failure, and they just they just really railroad you back into okay, what's going on here and self having a lot of self reflection and self awareness is critical I think for that for that, and that's why these trips will really help people as well because they are that kind of the penny drops. Mm-hmm. By the, by the pure, because you, you're stripped back when you're out there, like you're stripped back to your basic human being, you're stripped back to the core with food and environment and nature, and technology, and then you're challenged. And that's when the real answers come when you're, in, when you're in that situation and you strip you right back to the very basics and to the very core and then you ask yourself the big questions and you get a lot of clarity in, in, in those moments as well. Yeah, it sounds like obviously one part of it, Alan, is like, widening the perspective of you know life the world but then in tandem with that actually looking in the mirror and zooming in on yourself and like yeah I just, a phrase as you were talking always comes to mind to me is like it's a lot easier to point the finger than it is, than it is to look yeah. in the mirror like when you were just explaining that story that you outlined um and you know even from like the mental side of trying to reset and re-trigger like i would often talk about like the tfa triangle so like what are you thinking what do you feel and what action you're going to take out of it? And that's just something that always helps me say, okay, like if I am sleepwalking or coasting or whatever words that we would all use or just like kind of, um, you know, not being strategic with our interactions or with our kind of intentions. It's that's that little triangle, something that always helps me. And I think, but I, I think that flips back, flipping that back over to that kind of, that sense of perspective again. And what I was going to ask you was like over the years that you've been doing this, Alan, like and. I think it's fair to say from listening to you, like you had burned yourself out and for, like from life and from sport, you kind of felt like you were kind of out of kilter and you wanted a break and you didn't head off like with the intention of I'm going to go and set up a charity or I'm going to go to King Snowball and you kind of found a different route and a different kind of avenue to, I suppose, give back, but also like to get and to grow and to develop. And to that mind that I was thinking of, like you mentioned like your work in terms of leadership and you mentioned your work in terms of like culture earlier, I suppose at a top level, I'm curious, like what has this journey taught you about leadership and what has this journey taught you about culture? I suppose any of us can go on to, you know, Eason's or a bookstore and get any amount of books on leadership and culture. But in terms of the immersive experience, in terms of your personal journey, like working the way you have and choosing to do the projects that you have, what have you learned in regards to those kind of two specific things, leadership and culture? 
Yeah, I suppose leadership, and I always use this, um, two things about leadership, and I, um, I use this definition or quote, leadership is a relationship through which you influence the actions and behaviours of others, and we really focus on relationship. Mm-hmm. Leadership is a relationship through which you influence the actions and behaviours of others. And I always think, you know, I always ask leaders, and you'll get this, Alan, from being in a sporting environment as well and from uh, a corporate environment. I asked them, think about all the great leaders you've worked with or worked under or worked alongside, all the great leaders and managers. How do they make you feel? So if you'd answer that question, how do they make you feel? What, what, what would you say? Um, I suppose valued is the worst, the first word that comes yeah, to mind. Yeah. Um I suppose, um, like trusted, um, to like to do your stuff and not be over, mm. say over managed or micromanaged yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, probably a sense of warmth in terms of a connection and a like a peer to peer relationship. Say, yeah. um, and that's probably the first three that comes to mind. I suppose Brilliant. for you, what what for you, what comes to mind? And that's so, and for what we're trying to get the group or the individuals on the program to get to is. And for me, the, all the great leaders and all the great uh, managers made me feel that they genuinely cared about mm. me. Um, they genuinely cared about my development uh, professionally or on the pitch. But they also had a genuine, not a token, tick the box tokenistic. They genuinely cared about my life off the pitch. And were open to helping me and supporting me if my kid was sick or if we're going through a bad time or whatever. And I always say to people, you know, all the mediocre managers, they don't see the human being first, but we're all human beings first and foremost. And the most basic human need is to be loved, to be valued and belong. As you just said there, you, you said most of them, to feel that you're cared for, to feel you belong and you feel that they value. You know, and that's our most basic emotional human needs, uh, according to all the experts. But people don't the ma- all most mediocre or poor managers are all about output output mm. output bottom line bottom line bottom line and they don't understand that and i always said people for all the great managers you worked under who genuinely made you feel that they cared about you what would you do in return for them and everyone says i go through a brick wall from mm. or her so little do they know that they are building a huge loyal workforce by the small things and the number one, the number one reason people leave their jobs is their immediate line manager. That's the number one reason. Proven research, people leave the job is the, is the line manager, and that's that's kind of that links in together. And also, you know, I think they did research some with some elite athletes. You know, if a player's personal life is in a, is off kilter, what do you think the average, the average? percentage drop in the performance on the field is roughly you probably know this significant yeah it's about it's about 30 on average like it can be up to 100 given if, yeah, if, it's, if it's, it's severe but like on average third. if they're gambling or if they're a relationship or if they're cheating on their partners mm. or if they're whatever they're doing or if they um, have a sick child or whatever or a, a terminally ill parent you know their performance drops to on average about 30% mm. same at work so Managers and leaders who who invest in their people away from work in a genuine way will actually empower them to show up to work 30 percent more productive as well. So I, th- I think people, a lot of managers, miss that basic foundation of that genuine care piece. You know, and having that genuine care, you're going to build a far more loyal team member. You're going to build a far more hardworking and engaged team member. And a far more, uh, a far better performer in terms of productivity-wise as well, you know. And I think a lot of people miss that. Why do you think that is? What do you think that barrier is, or why do you think that ultimately is Maybe a reason for? A, some, sometimes it's just they just don't know. Sometimes it's just their nature. Sometimes it's their personality type. Sometimes they're just too busy. Ah, oh, that doesn't mm. matter. That fluffy, fluffy shit doesn't matter. Sometimes managers are the D dominating personality in the disc profile and that they just results, results, yeah. results, results, that's all they want. And then they're coming from pressure from maybe the bow or from wherever and they just don't value it enough. Mm. You know, until you actually try and bring them through that experience and then they kind of get it. And then you try and help them to build strategies to 
improve that. What teams that do ever show a dramatic, you know, you see that even in sports, you know, you have a great team there, but they're not performing because they're looking at the manager to hit him. And next thing, or her, and next thing, the change manager, you're at and they're all Ireland champions because of the, the culture and the foster, the culture and the leader, the leader builds the culture. And, and the culture and leadership are, and, and, the, and the leadership is really tied as well because the culture comes from the, from the top and, and what standards are expected. And, 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 and a great leader as well, I think, empowers the people to lead themselves. You know, and then when we won the Club of Ireland in 2011 with Clarence Bridge, we had, we won our first county title in 2001 and we, yes, we came across a great Portuma team and they dominate and a great Sarsfield team and a great the Night team. They were multiple All-Ireland champions, but we still didn't perform. And we just had no standards for 10 years. We had no commitment. And then Michal, who came in and he challenged, and I walked away, and he did challenge us and he did, said, he challenged the older players to be leaders. And he said, you've got to set standards within yourselves. You've got to self-police. You've got to set the bar. It's, you've got to bring the rest of them up to that level. By your actions and the behaviours and by, your, you know, your, your leadership. And you're not leading now. And he's right. And I, we did, I had a big row with him at the start and I came back. And we had the best year we ever had. We came from nowhere to win in Ireland. But the players set the standard. And we had ownership of it then, you know. Uh, and he said, it's far better ye guys challenging them than me all the time challenging them. They're going to listen to you. They're going, if you challenge them and call them up, they're going to look, whoa. You know, uh, because you're friends and they respect you and you're, you're the older players. So I think all great leaders also, you know, trust and develop leaders within the team as well to set the bar themselves and to, to you know, it must come from within. And how do you not motivate, you know, great leaders as well, inspire, they don't motivate. If you have to motivate, you have a problem, you know. But they say, if, if great, great leaders inspire and inspiration comes from within, so you don't need to be there all the time either because they're inspired to do it. They're connected to a bigger why. You know, I think all great leaders connect people to a bigger why and a bigger sense of purpose. It's all about something bigger than ourselves. And that year we made it bigger than ourselves when we won that hour. We made it about one of our players, um, unfortunately, he was a wonderful individual. Um, you know, the first year where everyone won the county title, um, we, one of our players had a, had a work accident and had to have his, a, a bad injury in his leg. And, you know, we, we played for him. And, you know, when you're playing for something bigger than yourselves, you tend to achieve and go way beyond the boundaries of what you expect of yourself. Mm. But and when you play for yourself, you kind of, you're, 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 you tighten up and you're nervous and you're worried about how you look and how you play. And, but when you play for something else, I think the shackles go off and you have far more freedom to express yourself. As you, as you talk to me through all this stuff, Alan, and like obviously we're, we're, we're talking, or sorry, we're talking the talk here now. And then yeah. I suppose in your day-to-day life as you go to walk the walk and literally like you're doing some of this stuff right now in terms of the Plant the Planet games and, you know, you're trying to lead, you're trying to unite people, inspire about, like through a vision, something bigger than themselves, bring it together. I am curious in terms of what the, what are the biggest challenges to actually being that type of leader to try and, because I said, any of us can sit behind the desk and, you know, try and be that kind of transactional manager or kind of sh- shove it back down the food chain or say I'm too busy or I can't do that. We've all come across people like that. We've probably both even done it at times in our lives. Um, yeah. I'm curious kind of what the biggest challenge is as you try and be that type of leader, try and be that person from a leadership perspective and a culture perspective to get people to achieve something um, new. And that's, you know, it is challenging, but as you, as you kind of walk that walk, what the challenges are of it. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, uh, I think this, um, the challenges would be, it's always people, isn't it? It's getting the right people on the bus, you know, and having the, the courage of your convictions to stand over your values as well, you know, and then the consistency in delivery. Um, that'll be the challenges really because it is hard to be a leader it's hard it's lonely um, but by bringing great people who are aligned with you uh, who have the same vision as you because you're always going to get people who just don't agree with you um, you're always going to get people who have not the same values as you and it's having the courage even though they might be high performers it's having the courage to come to say no they're not the right fit mm-hmm. even though they might be a huge performer um, 
And, you know, even even with, say, the Kenya trip, you know, we may have one or two wanted to come, but they weren't the right fit. So you just have to, even though they'd be great for the profile and, of the trip, and you just have to say no. And, you know, it, I don't, you don't fit, what did you do? You just have to break it gently. But, um, yeah, it's, um, you know, when, when, when you really believe in it, though, it's, it's not that difficult to follow through. And it becomes, it becomes your way of being. And the challenge is to, to become that and to be aware of that and to understand it, I think, and to believe in it and to trust it and then uh, make it your way of being. And when you, when you really believe and you really know it works, um, you know, the more you do it, the easier it gets because it just becomes your default state. And... You know, you have to, I think acceptance is another big one as well. Just acceptance that people see things differently than you. That's okay mm -hmm. too. People won't believe this is the right way. That's okay too. Um, but the people do, um, when they come on the journey with you, then it's it's magic. Yeah, it's deeper. And it's like that. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, that, that kind of accepting your own authenticity and authenticity is something that's always been developed and added to yeah. and padded out and improved yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and I think it's not taking things personally as well is a big one, mm. you know. You're a guy, I brought a group to India once on an ashram retreat, would you believe? And there was this really wise man in India, um, a teacher, and he was giving workshops and they, one of the group asked him, you know, was talking about suffering and grief. And he was saying, one of the greatest gifts or traits you could help to try and nurture is acceptance, he said. He said, what's the difference between pain and suffering? He said, pain is when you break your arm and that's physical pain, mm. but suffering is why me? You know, and if you can accept things, that things that things happen, let's try and see some benefit in it, some positivity in it, some hard to do, very hard to do. Mm. Definitely when some life events come at you, definitely. But if, if you could, he said, it's a game changer in terms of your own existence. Um, but again, very challenging to do and very hard to do, especially when you have know, a sick child or somebody dies suddenly belong to you or whatever, you know, it is very hard to do. Mm. Um, but if you can have that ability, it does make life easier. I think big time. Um, I think like there's such power in those and it, it strikes me throughout the conversation on love. I suppose the experiences you've had to get, I mentioned culture to you earlier, but like to actually experience different cultures, to talk to people from yeah. different cultures and learnings, to be able to spoon those kind of, to scoop those up and, and kind of bring them into your day-to-day -day life. And I know they've all informed and helped build what you're doing right now. And I suppose as we look just to wrap up here and kind of going full circle back to the Plant the Planet Games for this year, Alan, like anyone who's listened to this conversation that's enjoyed it, if that it would want to help, that wants to give back or kind of support in any way, how might they go about doing that or how can that work? Yeah, we have a number of players going in this year, over 40, nearly 50 again. And um, they've all I donate pages. So you might see that floating around on social media. Um, so if you go on to Warriors for Humanity, Plant the Planet Games and I donate. If you go on to Self of Africa as well. We're also selling jerseys actually. Um, lovely Plant the Planet jerseys. Um, they're lovely, three different colours. They're beautiful. Designed by McKeever Sports. And every player has a portal. And the jerseys are on sale for 45 euros, but 20 euros of every jersey goes to uh, the Plant the Planet Games. And every jersey will, plant, will help plant 25 trees and help 125 people towards achieving sustainable livelihoods. So it's a, you get something for your donation mm. as well, which is, uh, which is nice and they're lovely. And so we'd love a lot of people to join the team and join the team, wear the jersey and leave a legacy with us. Um, or else just make a direct donation mm -hmm. to self at Africa um, or, or warriorsfreemanity.org, selfapafrica.org and the GPA as well will have uh, the Gaelic Player Association, Tom and, the, and Aaron and all the team in there, uh, Kieran, um, have been brilliant, uh, bit brilliant partners with us as well, along with McKeever Sports and um, and, and self Africa. So it's, it's, you know, it's great, it's great working with organisations who are like that, who are, uh, in a partnership model it just makes life so much easier to have really good partners you know uh, that you trust and you get on with and that are that don't talk they just deliver you know yeah like and kind of 
even just as a wrap up, Alan, like I'm thinking from, say, the GPA perspective, and you know, you've talked about your journey as a player and kind of coming from kind of being a young man, kind of figure things out, and hey, we're all still figuring things out. But yeah. what's it like for you now in terms of seeing a like a subset of GPA membership? You said, like, you know, Camogie players, yeah. ladies, football players, hurling players, football players come together as like almost like a tribe within a tribe and kind of wanting to do this. I suppose when you did it, maybe you were kind of more the lone wolf or kind of following your own path. Yeah. But seeing kind of groups come together like this now, I suppose it's under like, I mean, it's a playing body that I know you're passionate about, have worked for along with myself and benefited from as individuals. So what's it like in terms of being able to bring those, I suppose, those organisations, those partnerships together, but then seeing, I suppose, the modern day inter-county player kind of step up and want to do, like, want to give in this capacity, want to engage, uh, want to get out of the comfort zone, want to kind of push off um, and be part of this. Like, you must bring a great feeling of pride for yourself in terms of seeing those different organisations you've been involved with separately but actually fused together then to allow something I think you said magic to happen earlier on yeah it is and you know as I said earlier you know I know Ireland is and very proud of the GA very proud of the GPA very proud of the inter-county player very proud of the club player but like the, the, the inter-county players was what we're dealing with here and you know they are role models and in fairness to them you know you very rarely see them the, the general Playing popular, you know, step out of line, or, 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 you know, they're always in their down to the pitches coaching kids. They're always giving out medals. They're always at charity events. They're always doing fashion shows. They're always doing stuff, and and to step up now and come to Africa, it, it, and to want to make a difference and to want to be part of this trip and like it's a nine days out of their lives, right? They're busy people. Ten grand is not that easy race, so it's a daunting challenge. And they still step up and want to do it. I think it's a great testament to to the community, the GA community, the, the GPA community. And it's a great testament to the GPA for backing this in terms of they see it as a huge leadership experience, a huge learning and development program for players um, in terms of, you know, their, in terms of investing in their development. Um, in a real holistic and transformational experiential way. And we and look at I've all look, I've benefited hugely from the GPA programs down through the years from you know counselling when Ruan was sick in the hospital like, that was really challenging to go through your first child was critically ill for six months you know the GPA stepped in with counselling they stepped in with, with other supports you know they were always in around the hospital in Tampa Street do you want food do you want lifts do you want taxis do you want this do you want that Siobhan and Daisy were amazing they were involved at the time and Fran and um to, you know, to coaching, life coaching, to business development coaching, to business assistance, to website assistance, to, you know, the list is endless in leadership programs, you know, the list is endless in terms of the programs I've gone through with them and, uh, you know, sponsorship scholarships to go to, to further education at the IMI, you know, so I think all players really should check it out get on that journey with them and who knows where it will lead. You know, I think some of the, serv the services there are amazing in terms of helping players off become better people off the pitch, help them, because life is tough now. Life is very busy. Um, nobody has it figured out, but the GPA will help you figure it out and uh, start you on a journey to a better place, I believe, um, from my experience. And this is just another example of what they're trying to do in terms of, yes, impacting humanity, but also impacting the player uh, and giving them a different experience to change their perspective a little bit and that will hopefully help them in the transition away from sport as well because a lot of us as we know we're caught up in our in the our identity as an athlete and then when that goes you know we struggle badly so this program is is well as well as the transition program they're running for other for for retired players um i think it's huge benefit to the player you know and and uh, you know you know it's 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 you know, I'd really, really encourage players to 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 get involved in the programs they run because, uh, you know, it 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 the sky's the limit when it comes to to, to what where it can lead you. I think that's the that's the perfect note to end on, Alan. Um, I just want to say thank you for for your time today, for your insight and perspective. I know you're busy and you mentioned figuring figuring out there a few times. I said, I better let you go and fi fi finish your figuring out because you're getting ready to travel. But um, 
I just want to thank you for this conversation. I look forward to sharing it with with our audience. Obviously, our listeners. I know plenty of current players have been listening, and we get that feedback constantly. But also the average J fan, the average sports fan that drops in to check it out to listen. Um, I'll put in a. I'll definitely put in a call to action at the end in terms of links and stuff. To if you, you can send them on to me afterwards, and we can post them. Or if you want to even say the website stuff now, you can. Um, but for me, I just want to say thank you again. Wish you the very best luck on the trip, and hopefully this conversation, this podcast, and the few video clips we put out can help kind of raise the profile raise the awareness and, and help this huge project be a success in, in our own small way so just thanks very much I always appreciate catching up with you and to get your insights and perspectives so thank you thanks Al really enjoyed it the Players Voice podcast is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks to listen to previous episodes with the likes of Niall Morgan Lauren McGee Mary Hillgrain or Neil McManus, make sure to subscribe by searching The Player's Voice on whichever podcast platform you prefer. Don't forget, you can find out more about the GPA's BO360 program by visiting bo360.gaelicplayers.com. And finally, if you want to find out more about my work as a performance and wellbeing consultant, you can go to www.realtalks.ie. Thanks for listening.